1: I think there is going to be some Republicans who say, well, I didn't like Trump, but I can put up with it. There will be Democrats who say, I wish there was a younger candidate, but it's Biden. That's fine. That's already been happening a little bit. But there's a big share of the country, uh, I think it'd be bigger than 2016, that say, I just can't believe these are my choices. And that's going to be a lot of Democratic strategy is – That's right, then you just stick it out with Biden. These are your
2: choices. Wait it out,
1: like if we beat Trump again, then you don't have to worry about him in the future. Uh, Not in a very inspiring campaign, but not every campaign is inspiring.
2: It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast ace political reporter for Semaphore, formerly of the Washington Post. I got to know him on the presidential trail. He's a journalist I turn to to know what the heck is going on. Dave Weigel. Welcome, Dave.
1: It's good to be here. Good to talk to you again.
2: You too, man. Uh, So Semaphore, you took the startup leap. You've worked at a number of pubs. Washington Post is just about as establishment as it gets. Uh, What made you decide to to join the new startup.
1: Yeah, well, I never have been at a startup. I've been at stuff that was fairly recently founded. I worked for a nonprofit uh, in 2009 that was pretty new. And I worked at Slate, I don't know, 10, 15 years after it was founded. It still felt fairly new. But I'd never been at something since the beginning. Uh, I'd known Ben Smith, who's the editor-in-chief for a very long time, and he'd been trying to work with me for a long time, which is nice of him. And uh if you see the publication uh it it's experimenting with a kind of pub, uh, publishing stories organizing stories that is designed everyone hopes i hope too designed to break through the uh the impasse that a lot of readers have when they look at articles the feeling oh i this article is going to be very opinionated i don't want to read that the way that we we structure articles is breaking it down into uh the, the news some reporter opinion, some alternative opinion, uh, while making them good, readable stories. I thought that was interesting. So I wanted to, yeah, I thought, I I don't know how many chances I get in my 40s to try something new. So I wanted to try something brand new.
2: Uh, Well, congrats on it, man. Most people know that I I love new things, startups, uh, uh, a little bit of risk-taking. Though I I will say, I mean, most people would consider working at the Washington Post something of a dream job. Uh, Was it a tough decision? And, you know, obviously, you know, you made like a little bit of, um, you know, like, I, I guess you were the subject of some uh, kerfuffles. <laughs> I don't know yeah, yeah. If, that, if that had anything to do with, uh, with with the decision to leave the post.
1: No, um, that wasn't, that was never fun. And one thing that you get at the post in general, or at any kind of big established institution, especially in media, is people uh, have a have a hot, hotter spotlight on, and they'll look for ways to I guess ways to stoke drama. I mean, I, I'm a big drama aficionado of, of like YouTubers and and people online who getting fights <laughs> with each other. I was never trying to get into a fight, but I could see that that happened sometimes. So, I would say people still talk to me. I wasn't really worried people wouldn't wouldn't talk to me at a different publication. I did find, and I knew this would happen. There's some people who didn't like the post at all. There's some Republicans who just cut it off and didn't and wanted to cut the mainstream media out. Who will talk to an outlet that's that's new and will will. You know, give you give you time, answer the question. Even they blacklisted the paper. I don't support people blacklisting the paper, but that was different. So it shook up what I did, it, but less than. I mean, there's people who just do 180 degree turns. You know, they're working for some app company. They get hired, or they, they're working for like a, a gigantic tech firm, and they work for some app company, and they risk everything. You know, they they give up the stock options. Like my risk was pretty low, but but it was, yeah, it was, it was a hard thing to think about. But I mean, I had a, uh, I agree, it's a it's a dream job, and especially in journalism where a lot of things are not very not very safe. Uh, the 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 post, if you were just doing the work and showing up and covering stories, felt very safe, and you're part of a big team. That is a good feeling, and there's not a lot of that in media.
2: So there are two big things I wanted to discuss with you that I think are in a lot of people's minds. The first is uh the the debt limit increase uh in d c um so just to frame this, I talked to a beltway insider who said the people who think this is going to work itself out are seeing something different than what i'm seeing <laughs> <laughs> that, that from their perspective uh the sides are digging in um they both think it's going to be a loser for the other side um one of the the tougher elements is that it's kind of got like a fuzzy uh drop dead date or a timeline where yeah. Um, Treasury came out and said "Look it 's going to be end of may june one um but then there's some skepticism around that date <laughs> so people think you could push it so the So this setup to me is um a terrible setup because you can easily see both sides playing their hands uh and, and then just sliding past the the deadline, and then the market's crashing, and maybe they they can't uh actually you know come to to, to hammer something out." In a matter of seconds or minutes like it might take some more time
1: the most important thing that's changed the last time we did this is that the last time happened so uh there was no precedent in people's memory in 2011 it was a story i was on a lot about what would happen if the u.s ran up right to the edge of the debt limit or went over uh apocalyptic warnings about what would happen uh what did happen well they had a deal they kicked they kicked the can uh, there was a, t- a credit downgrade that was an enormous news, some of the biggest news of the year. That in in the long run didn't really affect people uh, at, at all. I mean, I feel like it's trivia at this point that it happened. So that's that's the most uh, vivid thing affecting the politics right now is that you have people who lived through what they were told was a crisis and nothing happened that yep. they remember that they remember being important. Uh, and so that's. That is, I think, why it took such a long time for this to build up. I mean, there might even be some exhaustion in reporters who covered the first round of this, and everyone's 12 years older, and they think, well, I know how this ends, you know, the old availability heuristic. It happened to me this way once. It's probably going to happen to me that way again. Um, But So as you said, there is not a a set date on it. That's another thing we learned uh, this time. The Treasury will put out an announcement of when we're going to go over, and in 2011 that was covered as this is it. We're all going to be eating cat food when they hit that date. What it means is that if you hit that date. The Treasury is going to move money around extraordinary circumstances, uh, so it's going to be an impasse for a while. I think I do think I keep referring to how people learned from the last time. Uh, the people who with money in this, which is a lot, a lot of them, have been pressuring the White House more than the White House expected to just sign what what something that Republicans in the House give them. The White House's position was: we lived through this literally. Joe Biden lived through this. Um, we're we've learned that if you treat this like a real negotiation. Uh, you don't benefit. You end up having to give something up and you get uh, a credit downgrade anyway. What's the point of negotiating? They also thought, I think, um, and this can work in politics, I'm not sure it's working right now, if you just don't treat it like it's real, uh, you don't treat it like like, like the negotiation is, is legitimate, then you can shape the coverage. People say, well, yeah, why am I paying attention to this? <laughs> to, to, to these things? A lot of it is just getting people to blame Republicans. And if they see a headline that says U.S. hit the debt limit for them to say, I wish those Republicans would deal with it. That's not very 4D, 5D chess. Uh, it, it is just the idea of waiting until the crisis and hoping that most people will blame Republicans. Uh, that has not happened to the degree the White House thought it would. You've got you know, business groups that are saying just work the Republicans on this, but it's not blown them up either. They're not going around the country getting protested uh people demanding they take the deal. It's a very inside Washington story at this point.
2: Oh, yeah. I, I think that you've hit the nail on the head where each side thinks that if there is a massive problem, the other side will pay the price. Yes. Um. You know, like the uh. I mean, the White House thinks like, hey, people are, of course, going to blame the Republicans for this. And the Republicans are like, they're going to blame Biden for this because he's the president. Uh, and so each of them has a theory of the case. You know, I, I think that there's going to be plenty of blame to go around. But like, uh, you know, I, I look at this and say, um, this is a very nasty setup. Like, this is not a setup for success. <laughs> where Because, you know, the, the, the White House is saying, look, uh, we're not going to negotiate. Uh, this is a fake negotiation. We're uh, just going to ask for a clean uh, debt limit increase, and I do not think McCarthy and the Republicans can deliver a clean debt limit increase after everything they've been through. I think it would cost McCarthy a speakership. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I don't think they are going to get a clean debt limit uh, increase. Like, so something's going to have to give.
1: Yeah, and there is stuff to give away. I mean, uh, the. <laughs> It's so dull to get into the way the way it ended last time. You you can yo you but, can but,
2: say these two words, man, because the two words I'm hearing are permitting reform. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So permitting reform is a good example. There's some stuff that that people basically agree on that could be included in something that is not clean. Um, but what happened last time was there was a, a the, the debt limit fight happened in a larger conversation uh, that really was stoked by well-funded groups, Pete Peterson's group, uh, Senate Committee for Responsible Federal Budget. There was, it's very weird if you have, you know, even a journalist understanding of, micro, of macroeconomics. It was a period where like the biggest problem facing the country was not the national debt, It was it was the labor market, it was unemployment. Um, the biggest problem facing the country right now, definitely not unemployment, it's more inflation. So the conditions were not actually relevant to do for a debt crisis in 2011. But what happened was a huge conversation. We all agree we need to shrink this debt. We spent all this money on the stimulus. Uh, what can we do to get to the table so that maybe Republicans are going to trade tax increases for something else. But what happened last time was there was a big, robust, Okay, there's never been a crisis like this. Everyone, meaning everyone in D.C., kind of fueled by these these pressure groups, everyone's talking about the debt. We should do something. And that's not been happening this time because everyone in Washington lived through a Trump administration that once it was in power, Got rid of the spending <laughs> spending caps as part of those debt deals. Just kept kept plowing ahead and spending money. But Republicans are not even going as 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 broad as they did it, it, twelve years ago. It, like the, they went out of their way this time to not touch any entitlement program in the deal. So that and I, I, sh- I should I could truncate what I'm saying is in 2011 it, the idea was this is so unprecedented. This is the time to do gigantic reforms that we all agree America must do. It's been over- overdue. That's not the debate this time. It's okay, well, we need to give in to some demands. Republicans have some things that they want to cut and reverse. They want to get reverse parts of the Inflation Reduction Act. Um, They want permitting reform. Uh, they want to claw back spent covid money it is less than republicans were demanding last time last time because just i think things have changed and they're post trump the republican party's not interested in entitlement reform social security cuts medicare cuts medicaid cuts sure but but not the rest of it so it's like a very it's a much smaller debate which is which is also playing into this you're not as as invested if you're watching this from the outside from wall street cuz the 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 deal a deal that would make democrats unhappy that would make republicans feel like they won something um you just started to describe it it would be well we cut we cut some of biden's spending priorities and we we have some environmental uh policies that democrats didn't want that we got through that wouldn't be enormous that really that that's stuff that honestly a well functioning congress could probably just vote vote on normal Sure, <laughs> like the old co- congresses of 50 years ago could just say well here comes a crisis what can we trade so the stakes are the stakes are lower and it's much i don't want to say silly um but it's 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 having a tougher time getting into the public consciousness for all those reasons. You know, people live through it. Stakes are lower. There's less being demanded, and the white and Democrats are convinced. All right, we're, the, if we just don't treat this like it's legitimate, that's never, we've never tried that before. We've never we've never just pretended that this isn't real. We can't we don't have to negotiate. What will happen if we hold out as long as possible?
2: Well, I I do wanna to uh, say on one level the stakes are higher. My read of the situation is that. Um, they're going to play chicken, uh, and yeah. um, uh, and that they're not going to do the reasonable thing until they're forced to do so. And by the time they're forced to do so, I think there could be some significant repercussions. I think the market's fragile with these bank failures and the rest of it. I think confidence is fragile. Uh, like you know, th- th- this is just like going to be a self-inflicted wound. Um, if they get to a point where it starts having uh, real market repercussions, how do you think this plays out?
1: So one possibility is the White House gets to the precipice and says, "All right, uh, none of this is real. We're going to find a way to keep funding the government, and we're not going to be taken host- uh, hostage." Another way is that, is
2: that is that AKA the trillion dollar coin.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean that they say they can't pull off. But I'm saying until until we reach that moment and they officially rule it out, you can't 100% rule that out. Um, before the other options are are much more. Pedestrian and, and 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 normal, which is okay. We we reach this point in negotiation. We're willing to sign off on a few after not negotiating. We're willing to sign off a few things they wanted, which is I've not negotiated many debt limit deals or many of these deals like this. But being obstinate, saying no, absolutely nothing, and then giving part of what Republicans want, um, and then at that point maybe you throw it to the House and you can put the onus on Republicans in the House. Um, will they pass something that's less than what they demanded? And to the extent the the the, the gamesmanship of this, is I, 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 like, that's, the, that's where our are at the, at the story at the moment. The one one thing I will say, would, would say, though, the Democratic base, which, remember, this, the same position where Barack Obama's running for re-election in 2011, 2012, uh, the threat was that Republicans might tank the economy while he's running for re-election. Uh, Biden is running for re-election, just announced it. The, th- the threat is, is similar. Um, but there's less... Apart from just the losing face, there are fewer things being negotiated that would anger the Democratic base. There was a possibility that that uh, Obama could have gone in. Let's say one of the versions of the, of the debt limit deal had passed. Obama could go in as the first Democratic president to agree to uh, in a very long time on social, social security cuts. Um, what would that have done to the excitement of the base? What would that what, what would that have done to Democratic activists? We saw how. Within four years, there was a, a, a primary challenge to Hillary Clinton. There was the Bernie Sanders campaign. What would that have done? I think it would have disrupted things with, inside the party. I don't think anything being negotiated right now would disrupt things the same way. There would be disappointment by a lot of liberals uh, who say, "Why the president looks weak for having compromised at all? He he should have minted the coin." Uh, I, I think mint the coins a good like way to just say <laughs> he should have done something that just cuts get rid of the whole controversy. But it wouldn't be the same thing. Like he betrayed he betrayed us. I think there would if there and. It, Permitting reform is something a lot of Democrats were going to agree to anyway. I think there yeah. will be, would be a backlash from the environmental left on that. Uh, but most of the backlash would be we don't like it when our team loses. Less, we don't like it when our team undermines the, the New Deal. That was the risk in 20, uh, 2011.
2: This podcast is sponsored by Helix Sleep. I've always been a mattress guy because I figured if I'm going to do something for up to eight hours, maybe I should do it right. And Helix Sleep lets you do it right by sending you one of 20 unique mattresses as tailored for you. I took the Helix Sleep quiz, takes only a couple minutes, and I was matched with a Helix Dawn mattress because I wanted something that felt firm and I sleep on my back. That mattress is exactly what I needed, but strangely enough, my kids now... Seek out that mattress in the house and want to sleep on it even though I did not order it with them in mind. If you have a high quality mattress, it is a game changer, a huge difference maker. Don't take my word for it. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It is even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash yang. That's helixsleep.com slash yang. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. So let's turn to what you just said about joe biden running for re-election all right so i i I, yeah i travel the country and um when when i say to folks hey biden trump rematch they're like groans the head shaking i mean you probably get the same thing yeah Uh, it shows up in the numbers majority of democrats uh don't even want joe to run again um and when i say like hey it's gonna be joe for months people have been like no that's impossible (laughs) yeah and i've been like oh everything i'm seeing here is it's joe even now there is some scuttlebutt that even though Joe's declared the announcement video and everything else, um, that there still might be a switch in nominees, uh, before the August convention next year on the democratic side. So is it Joe Biden, uh, the, the whole way through, uh, in terms of being on the ticket and the general election next November? Oh man. think this is an enormous
1: question. Uh, and so I have the same as the same interactions you do. Um, you travel probably more than me. I travel a lot. We tra- both travel more than most people. I'd say yeah. it's fair to say. Right. Uh, and yeah, I heard that until the midterms, uh, I heard just disbelief that Biden could run again. And even if a Democrat, they were, maybe they weren't watching viral videos or, you know, super cuts of Biden um, mixing up words in a speech or something. They didn't believe the he can't handle the job stuff. But really, since uh, the Afghanistan withdrawal and and the effects of that. I definitely heard this idea. Well, obviously they're going to run somebody who's not who's not Biden. Is it going to be is it going to be Kamala? Is there an alternative Kamala? And the midterms uh, ended that conversation because they went so well for Democrats. I think he is the nominee unless. Uh, something which is always awkward to discuss. I mean, I, 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 some people do it for political reasons. I'm just doing it for pr- the practical. What do people tell me? Reasons if something happens, if he's much less healthy, if he if he's unable to show up for work, if there's some medical crisis, that sort of thing. We don't do not have a uh, recent uh, you know TV era precedent for that. The closest you get, honestly, and I'm not trying to be glib about it, but is uh, you know, Hillary Clinton fading fainting from pneumonia after uh, at, the, at the 9/11 anniversary. Ceremony in 2016. That was seen as such a crisis for the Democrats at the time that uh, Donna brazil the DNC chair, uh, the interim DNC chair, because remember um, Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigns over the yeah, uh, DNC meeting, and she's admit admitted pretty soon after the election that she started to look up what are the alternatives. Like if, if Hillary's sick, do we have to? How, how do we replace her? And you know, wouldn't you know it in 2016? the alternative she she was going to propose, or I shouldn't say she was going to propose the alternative she came up with you know, uh, instantly was Joe Biden, Cory Booker ticket. (laughs) It was like, should we just replace this ticket with Joe Biden and Cory Booker? Um, And they didn't get there, but there was enough of a a fear that a candidate seen as medically unable to serve could not win the election. And so could that happen to Biden? I think I would not rule it out. If you're being uh, being honest, you can't rule it out. If you are asking the White House on record a question, it is a rude question to ask. (laughs) They're not going to answer it. You know, you talk to a Democratic Party chair in a state, they will. They don't dignify the question, but that is, I, I it's unusual uh, gap I've seen between the conversation from people who are you know, Americans and will vote uh, <laughs> <laughs> for president and are unhappy about their possible choices, and the D.C. Democratic conversation was, which is not just D.C. states. Of course, we'll nominate Joe Biden again. I think that attitude right now that's dominant. There is no interest in these state parties in in a real challenge. By by real challenge, what I mean just. Let's say a governor who uh, could would hire uh, operatives who are very well known in Democratic politics, who are willing to risk their careers by going against Biden. That sort of conflict, and I am privileging like the you know media's perspective here. Why is that more legitimate than uh, you, know, Dennis Kucinich managing Robert F. Kennedy's campaign? There are reasons for it. I mean, I, I, I the, the, as far as I'll go is. Kennedy is not running the kind of campaign, uh, you know, going to states, getting Democratic uh, support, talking about issues that ninety percent Democratic voters agree with him on. Um, Marion Williamson is talking about those issues, but is kind of not getting the attention. Um, neither of those people is seen in the states as a as a Biden challenger who who could replace, who who they think can beat him and would be the nominee general election. But I don't think Biden is in danger unless there is a, a medical emergency that is so stark people say, well. We thank him for his service, but we need to nominate somebody else. And in that case, uh, that would be a historic mess for the, for the Democratic Party um, matched with the Republican mess. If Donald Trump is is convicted of something or other in the next year, there is not really a plan if he's the nominee to dump him and replace him. Because there, you, I think the difference when I'm comparing those two situations is that. Republican base as it stands is much more devoted to Donald Trump than a Democratic base is, is to Joe Biden just the fact he won the primary by a landslide it's in math, 2020 man, don't worry. but it's Matt <laughs> yeah it's Matt you know, you know this like you can look at the polling he is respected and Democrats appreciate him and they love that he's president but they are not going to if if, if let's say if, if if trump biden had a medical emergency there would not be the same you can't get rid of this guy attitude where trump is convicted me, there, i you mean you cannot get rid of this guy attitude not that to the level I mean, but, but I'm, I'm splitting hairs go no, ahead, i talk to
2: a lot of dems who are eager to get rid of joe honestly I mean, yes yes like, oh, we okay, can't okay that's joe. What, it's like uh, <laughs> I, well, the way you were laughing <laughs> so yes. i was like
1: are you disagreeing no you're agreeing but like make it better point. oh yeah no, <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at the fact that it's like
2: the republican base like won't won't you know, go with anyone else, even if Trump is uh, behind bars. So, let, let's, um, so let's explore this further for a moment. Um, so first, let me say that uh, I, I uh, find it ridiculous that the Beltway and media conversation is so disparate from uh, ordinary, everyday American conversation. Because guess what? The guy's going to be 82 in 2024. Like, actuarially yeah. speaking, there is, uh, you know, an almost 50% chance that Joe Biden does not make it through a second term. Uh, And there is very, very little confidence in uh, his VP to take over. Um, And so, you know, you're looking at the situation like the average American is like, what is going on here? Uh, And I've spent a lot of time with Joe Biden, um, not recently, but like on the campaign trail. Um, You know, he he wasn't tip top prime Joe Biden uh, three or four years ago. And. Uh, it's clear that the job has, just like it has everyone else except maybe Donald Trump, it's like taking its toll on him. (laughs) You know, (laughs) like you see, you're like, holy cow. And by the way, I've talked to people who are around Joe Biden personally now, and they will say to me, it's like, you know, it's different now even than it was two or three years ago. So the the fact that if, if you have what strikes me as a very, very objective, common sense conversation, you get attacked as like, ageist, trump enabler blah blah it's like come on like every american i talk to just says these three words to me he's too old like like i get, i get those three words all the time so uh you know and i i'd like you know i mean i think joe and jill are are really great uh public servants uh you know and and but the, the, like these two things can both exist and be true um so it let's say that Joe decides to uh or not decides to, either decides or you know, has a decided for him where it's like, okay, it's next March and he's got a health problem, uh, you know, and and people looking up saying, Oh snap. So the DNC, um, Jamie Harrison right now. Um, so the, the DNC has already come out and said not having primary debates, like RFK, Marianne Williamson, you know, not not legitimate, tough luck, uh, essentially. Um, those debates that they existed would be happening later this summer, <laughs> like later like this year, so by next March, it would already have been like a, essentially a debate free season. Um, there might have been some states voting, and then Joe uh, gets the votes wins let 's say in, in the current world, uh, but then he has a health problem and Jamie Harrison, and the DNC are like oh snap like we, we can 't run Joe in the general um, so what does their current day version of donna brazil 's uh, you know, uh Joe Biden, Cory Booker ticket looked like.
1: Look, it would have to be led by uh the vice president, and that, that's the one even stranger. I mean, if the 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 fact of a eighty year old president being being in a discussion of whether he's too old is is not. It's new, but it's it's. If you explain to somebody uh from Mars, they'll say, "Well, that makes sense." I don't know. Well, I guess years pass differently on Mars, but they, they would get the gist. Martian but years. That, they would translate yeah. into Martian years and be like, <laughs> yeah. "Hey, that's old." But the. Uh, the that's the part that's the most vexing for Democrats is that Kamala Harris, uh the first female vice president in history, no one's ever made it this far, um, would would be the first female president if she was nominated and and wins. And the conversation in in elite democratic circles, uh and in I think the county party level is Oh, we're just don't think that she could win. So we need to, we need to think of something else. You can't just ignore sure. <laughs> the vice president Kamala Harris. If something were to happen with Biden, uh, she would be, that is, that is the vice president's role. She would be the heir apparent. I think it'd be a discussion of, um, I, I don't think the party, you, you could game out fun scenarios. I don't think it's just possible. <laughs> it, the realm, the reality we work in, um, for, the party to say, we had a meeting and, and because uh, the vice president is polling kind of badly, we replacing her with somebody else who polls better. I don't think they could, it would be it would be Harris and there'd be a DNC vote over uh, the vice presidential candidate. A lot of horse trading there, that would be difficult. That'd be a controversy who even gets it. It's an ugly situation. I mean, everyone, the, George McGovern losing to Nixon is still the biggest landslide defeat in like two party politics um, in modern American history. Uh, it was always going to be a loss, I think, for Democrats in that in that election, based on Dick's, based on the campaign Nixon running. But what really sunk him and made him unelectable was he dropped his running mate and he he picked uh, uh, Shriver uh, after after Eagleton was I think would, would now would now not be a career render, Which would was, now like, would be totally fine. Is he had some health fine. issues? Yeah, yeah, he had depression. He he, he went to some uh, electroshock therapy. Um, but the fact that McGovern had to switch out his opponent the last bit just i think it'd be impossible i think it'd be impossible to just not nominate kamala Harris, and that would be a crisis that i don't know how party would would um would bounce back and win the election now on paper like all this is sounds crazy because on paper you could say well there's some there's some democrats who poll really well Gretchen whitmer is really popular um there are people with crossover repeal josh shapiro the governor they do have a bench of people that if you ask a democratic strategist they'll tell you oh can't wait for them to run for president in 2028 but they don't get that choice because Joe Biden's president, Kamala Harris, is vice president. I think the party is just in a bind. And the the easiest path to this, is, to, to winning, is Joe Biden becoming more popular and Kamala Harris becoming more popular through various decisions they make uh, and the economy going well. It is, it is a very tough road. I think I've not—yes, Donald Trump had issues going into the 2020 election, but this is the, the toughest set of, of, of just facts— For an incumbent president facing re-election that I think I've seen, I've been alive 41 years, definitely the hardest. 60-something percent of voters saying they just don't think the person can do the job anymore. That is new and, and weird.
2: This podcast is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that. Private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you browsed, searched for, watched, or tweeted. Now imagine all that data being crawled through, collected, and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Do you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell our data? The worst part is you don't know what they're doing, you don't get to have your say. That's why I use ExpressVPN. Just hit one button and then your internet connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server. No one can see your IP address. You're completely in your own private internet. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it harder for third parties to track me and harvest my data. No matter what device you're on, you just hit one button and you get your own protected connection. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com yang and get three extra months for free. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com yang. Go to expressvpn.com yang to learn more. Yeah, I mean he has uh, – I think he just set a new uh, low for his approval rating uh, X months out. I've, I'm on the record saying I think there's a recession this year. I think it's already baked. Uh, Which is the best know, that the, could happen uh, to Biden if there's a
1: recession and, and, and there's – and people feel like they're bouncing a, back. And a bounce but back not by, good. by next year. <laughs> yeah, not as good as That's not a true. recession, but yeah. Better
2: than a recession next year. It's yeah. true. So uh, I obviously was very public saying, look, the Dems should have a freaking Democratic primary in part because of what you're describing. Is like there are a bunch of candidates – who would be much better bets than Kamala, or in my opinion, Joe? Honestly, um, for for twenty twenty four. So of the folks who were prepping these campaigns before the midterm, the campaigns in waiting, the folks at the DNC would frankly have knocking on their door, being like, "Hey, Joe's out. Like, let me in there uh, as ideally uh, the presidential candidate, but you know maybe Kamala's veep candidate." So the the names I've heard, um, certainly Gretchen Whitmer, um, uh, as you say in Michigan. Gavin Newsom in California, J.B. Pritzker in Illinois, where the DNC convention will be held. Uh, you know, not not so coincidentally. <laughs> uh, what? Who are the other folks that you think would be in that set of uh, to be considered? You know, you've left
1: the party, so no offense when I say
0: <laughs>
2: like no, somebody who's taken. run
1: for president. Uh, uh, I bet because I mentioned people who did run last cycle. Uh, I think Amy Klobuchar would would be in the mix again. Uh, Buddha Judge has a lot of supporters in local Democratic politics around the country. I know that if you turn on Fox, he's he's I think the most pinata Democrat uh, in the administration. I mean, just him and Mayorkas get the most negative attention for whatever they do. Um, I don't, I, but I've not seen a poll on him. But he's very well liked among among Democrats. There'd be a question: Oh, can he drop out of the cabinet and run? I think that would be the tight the, the tight field because there's there's people who I think are you know condition or sorry position where they could run uh phil murphy in new jersey jay Inslee yes. in washington
2: roy cooper north carolina
1: roy roy cooper is a name i've i've heard but uh just in terms of he i mean his record as a democrat uh as a democrat candidate his win record is impressive to people uh but he's not taking the same i he's steps, not he hasn't taken the same organizational steps yeah, or not in the same yeah i mean phil murphy has like a pack that has been conspicuously spending money um on behalf of democrats around the country not well, well well Phil Not Murphy. Not like here's like a has... whole field of Iowa people, but like to get yeah, yeah. To, to, he's been meeting Democrats around the country. Roy Cooper meets them too, but Phil Murphy's like I th- I think people come away from Murphy thinking he might this run this run want to run someday.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well plus Phil Murphy has a bankroll to throw around too, you know. Oh I mean in a way that few other politicos do. JB Pritzker is a billionaire. Phil Murphy, I think, is probably a centimillionaire. Yeah, he has less money than
1: Pritzker does. Um but and he has he is finishing up uh his second term and he's he's out in uh 2025 so that would be the mix of people and that would be i think that'd be the conversation if we're just teleporting ourselves to a crisis in you know august 2024 i think it'd be okay well it's kamala harris and there you know there'd be a little bit of identity politics ticket balancing i think of saying okay well we have um because this was a conversation i was a little bit I think I was a little bit skeptical of, even though it was a good one in 2016 when Hillary was the front runner. The question was, can you have a ticket that's two women? Uh, Same thing when Elizabeth Warren was briefly the front runner. It's like, okay, well, I guess we're going to have a male running mate. When Joe Biden was running, you know, famously promises, I'm only going to pick a female running mate. There probably would be a a balancing there of saying, we're not. Let's not say it out loud, but um, there's black female uh, presidential nominee. uh, Should it be the white guy governor of new jersey should be the white guy governor of illinois should be the white the white guy governor of, of pennsylvania um and i think whitmer and klobuchar would be in in the discussion but democrats would reckon with all right do we want an all-female ticket um we've gotten halfway there we've nominated you know hillary we've, we have elected the first vice president What do we want? uh, What what do we we want to go? What's the image we want to present to the the country? When Democrats are looking at the the field and saying, "Okay, in normal circumstances, we might be in bad shape," but uh, Dobbs, but like the alienation that uh, the Republican Party has done for suburban women, maybe that would be fine. But it'd be pretty tight. I think fewer people in the mix of who could be a a Democratic vice president than ran for president uh, in twenty in twenty twenty. I mean, you would not get twenty six people. In the mix it would be who is somebody that voters would meet and say right yeah they could they could do the job uh they could be vice president it would just be some one of those governors and what somebody who ran before
2: well we all know that the voters uh vote at the top of the ticket and i i'm mm-hmm. going to say to you even though you're saying and you know like a lot of people saying what you're saying is like look they can't just bypass kamala but to the average American, they're like Kamala, like President Kamala. I'm not pumped about. I wasn't pumped about Veep Kamala, like this President mm-hmm. Kamala thing. And polling bears that out. Uh, I, I'm going to say I think Kamala loses to Trump. Uh, you know, I can see the case where Joe can eke it out. Uh, you know, like that. That thing's pretty close. But I think Kamala just loses that th- that that race head to head. I you know, and the Dems now are at a point where it's not like, well, we can like throw a cycle away <laughs> You're to be like, oh, we'll get him next time. You know, <laughs> in, in, in this. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I I think that's like a very, very nasty situation. Um, It's one reason why I thought that, look, just like have a genuine process. If Kamala can emerge um, from a competitive primary victorious, then, you know, fantastic. She would have won over uh, a lot of people. Um, But, uh, you know, I think going with her as the top of the ticket because, you know, you're afraid of um, alienating, uh, you know, like the, the, the Democrats, African-American base, uh, like, I I just think that would lead to, uh, a loss in November. Um, but you were saying, look, um, you know, a lot of Democrats, frankly, see the same thing. Um, but the question is like, would they just be like, well, can't, uh, you know, like can't, uh, overlook the the vice president, you know, know, so let's just try our best.
1: I I think there's a couple situations one is is what happens in 2028 i think you're right um but um public opinion is movable and people have been i mean richard dixon dealt with this the idea of richard dixon as as presidential nominee in 1960 was even as as ludicrous to some people because of the image he had as kind of a gopher uh who who ike didn't really trust um there would be some image-making in trying to make uh, Kamala Harris different. I also think in the situation, the night, the nightmare thing I was talking about for Democrats, there would be a lot of Democrats who say, wake up and say, okay, well, I was, you know what, what do I actually think about Kamala Harris as president? Let me see the, the you know, the. let me imagine the memes of the first female president. Let me, so how would I feel about her getting sworn in? I think Democrats would be a lot, I think she will benefit from Democrats um, thinking about her as president it's uh, her weaknesses are really just the things that have that hurt her campaign 2020 and the things that uh really staggered her for a lot of the vice presidency which is that um she has been assigned kind of unpopular causes and she has not um how do i put how do i put it i mean she she as a campaigner i mean she has a way of kind of like over talking things saying saying like saying Things that that Republicans clip for videos that may, that where they hit, they take the t- the most o- incoherent twenty seconds. Uh, they just she has not got this reputation, and I've I I've seen this you know I've seen and been in speeches where she's rallying people. I was in Nashville uh, when she was coming into Nashville to speak to the state reps who got kicked out, and she can w- rev up a room, uh, but she has been I think defined in a lot of media and Republican social media is very good at shaping this as just like somebody who can't campaign effectively and it's not going to be an dude, dude, I, to i've got to say
2: yeah. i completely disagree with your your read um, oh great in the, in, okay please you know, that's good i'm, in, I'm fine in, to disagree because i've been agreeing too much with you <laughs> no i know i know i mean just on this is like because i was in that democratic primary uh, alongside kamala and she was not underperforming because the republicans were like, you know, like, like misshaping her, um, uh, her speeches or like clipping things. She just wasn't connecting, you know, like yeah. I, I was with her in Iowa. She had the bus and I did not, um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and she dropped out, yeah. um, because it, it wasn't going well. Mm-hmm. Um, so like there, there is a, a real gap. Um, and when you talk about, Hey, if the democratic party were to go with her, there would be all of this burnishing and and star making, Oh, I'm sure there would be a real effort in that direction. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. but but like I I think that her uh her image isn't just frankly an image. I mean, there is actually some reality to these human beings and like the uh like you know the the feelings and takeaways that people have about them. Um but I, I just don't think that uh this is something that like a good PR team and campaign <laughs> I mean, like it's it, I think in another era this is the way it worked is like, you know, Democrats picked someone, the machine said, look how awesome this person is. And then everyone's like, oh, I guess this person's awesome. And then, you know, we're, we're into it. I mean, I, I think Kamala's had multiple uh, stanzas like in the eye of Democratic primary voters. I mean, you know, campaigned for months. Uh, she was on, you know, maybe five debate stages. Like people have seen it and felt it. Uh, and, and so she's not some new figure that you can be like, oh, like let's make her awesome
1: yeah i was i was trying to be careful in how i described it but i wasn't saying it was just people memed her out of out of the out of the race i mean the exchange with tulsi gabbard which i think defined her for a lot of people on the left fine harris um was her not being prepared really to deal with somebody just with nothing to lose dumping on her uh her prosecutorial record um this is a lot you could say about this i mean the image that she had um, and but when she ran for Senate, when she was Attorney General of California, she led on a bunch of of, of criminal justice issues, uh, not just criminal justice reform. But she was seen, she her political career started as the tougher on crime prosecutor who beat somebody who was less tough on crime. She was going to be smart on crime, as her book said. Um, just a lot of issues that ended up not playing like she didn't run on the. The, the other
2: did run the, on that. A, a
1: basket of issues that she had known and worked on as a California politician. She defined herself as something else, and it was never a good fit. I mean, I think it's, it's probably good if somebody just can't, on a dime, change their entire personality. But, yeah, she was really flat-footed when she had to defend stuff that wasn't um, de Uruguay in the, in the Democratic primary. And, uh, I mean, I think one of the first mistakes she made was she ha- she agreed that she supported Medicare for all. Uh, she was asked about the implications of of phasing out private insurance, and and she s- suggested on a CNN t- town hall that she would, and wasn't ready to defend it. Like just on those, I think she has uh, in the administration. It's clear what she's, you know, what she what she supports, what she what she doesn't. But yeah, she was flat footed in in a lot of ways in that Democratic primary. She was on on their game in. As a VP nominee in the debate with Mike Pence, she delivered yep. completely as a as a candidate at the national stage at that level. So that's the, what I'm trying to get my head around, is that she had a lot of talent as a California politician. Um, she fumbled the ball when she started running for president and was on issues that she, um, you know, that were popular, but she didn't really have the um a a passion about because you hadn't talked about them before um but i i i i don't want to do even this is very fun speculation but i just the one thing i think I, i thought about that is not obvious is yeah what would happen because this happens at the lower level there is somebody who's lieutenant governor and nobody thinks lieutenant governor could win on their own or handle the job they come into the job people say well i'm I have complicated feelings about how the governor resigned or the governor died or the governor took another job. But this lieutenant governor is really putting it together in a way that surprises me. I think there is a chance for a honeymoon, depending how this goes. But um, but no, I mean, they, they, the the party is uh, has a front runner in waiting who most of the party thinks cannot win. That's the gist. That's the gist of it. And I think they would need to just change the facts about kamala harris and she would need to change people's impressions and the facts they know about her for her to be a competitive candidate that's really tough it's much more fun for democrats to say gosh couldn't we just do a draft and finally a governor who's really good at this
2: Yeah, it's someone who's frankly a little bit uh, fresher and undefined in the public mind. By the way, I was standing between uh, Tulsi and Kamala when Tulsi was uh, going after her, and that was yeah. deeply uncomfortable because you're like, "Wow, these two are like really savaging each other." Well, I mean, you know, like, yeah, they were savaging each other. And yeah, but she I, didn't I have like, that one hadn't...
1: response. It's like, there was a way to knock somebody out who comes after you, right? And she didn't do it. So that was uh, um, yeah, yeah. It,
2: it was. But yeah, I was literally on that stage. Um, but, but, but between the two of them, you can, you know, you can, you could look up that, you know, there's probably a pic somewhere of me like, (laughs) like awkwardly turning my head back and forth. So, okay. So that is the, the, the democratic side field. Good times, uh, um, uh, on their side, on the other side of the coin, uh, it looks like freaking DeSantis has deflated before launching, uh, and Trump now is a 20 point lead, I personally know of uh, five um, candidates who I think declare in the Republican field in the next month. Um, so field's going to grow. Um, it feels like it's uh, Trump's to lose at this point. The indictment seems like it did him uh, massive service by uh, coalescing the base around him and, and having him dominate coverage. Uh, are you seeing and hearing uh, anything different? I'm not. Uh, so the indictment, I didn't did a couple things.
1: One, uh, yes, it did. Every Republican, uh, every Republican who commented on that, um, even if they're running against him, with the exception of Asa Hutchinson, said it was completely bogus. It was a affront to justice. They defended him. Um, th- that's a major factor helping Trump in this primary is that just no one wants to actually attack him. Uh, they, if they do. It is some sort of sideways electability critique like the one Nikki Haley makes that, well, you know, we need somebody who can win uh, and we haven't won the popular vote. Hint, hint. Donald Trump didn't win that. Or it's Vivek uh, Ramaswamy saying, Trump is great. I can do better. Uh, Or it's DeSantis who, remember, uh, when Trump got indicted, he offered to, how would I put it? I mean, he basically offered to... uh, not shelter him, him and him fight off shelter him yeah yeah like he was really ready to hide hide him out and, and be uh, and not not even let the government br- uh bring him in the new if i say new york bring him in uh so they all defended him um i think it also and this happens with a lot of things something is unthinkable then it happens i mean one one example is it was unthinkable what would happen if joe biden fell down the stairs of air force one well he tripped on the stairs it happened and then he kept being president. Like, and same thing with with Trump and in indictment. I I think this has happened several times to him. Uh, what happens if he'll be impeached? Certainly, that's going to be a crisis, and it's going to collapse him. He got impeached. And then He got impeached again. What happens if he? He? It was yet another example of of Trump taking some sort of um, blow that would destroy. I think a governor or a candidate for Congress, and then just kind of s- forging ahead. So it, every time that happens, inoculate. I mean, yeah, yeah,
2: anyone but Trump.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, but he, like this is Biden's benefited from. I just mentioned the stairs, but there's a lot of stuff that's happening that will come out, like accusations or news about the Hunter Biden investigation, and people just say, uh, "All right, well," and um, also
2: kind of Teflonny. You're right. What are you gonna do?
1: <laughs> what are you gonna do about this? Yeah, it's some politicians have that. Trump has more of that ability. uh I think that helped a lot, but I think it's it's um he also has been the most direct candidate in their field in saying what he's going to run on. He has a policy agenda uh, I think is almost written about too little I like writing about it but I feel sometimes he'll he'll lay out some policies that are very far right that are very close to what the I think a lot of the base Republican Party wants they do get broadcast in conservative media they might not get broadcast for everybody else I think he just he has run a campaign that's that's much more that's been effective at saying put me back in here's what I'll do and and the thing that yes there have not been you know people who lost the the presidency can't come back in, in uh, 140 years. But the, his basic argument, which, again, every Republican is running against him, is is um, vouching for, is that when th- he was president, things were great. Things were good. And bring me back and things will be great things again. Things will be good that again. Very simple. I mean, you saw in the, in the Washington Post ABC poll this uh, this on Sunday. When people are asked, you know, who was better at handling the economy, they they say Trump was. And if you're a Democrat, you say that's crazy. I mean, he he left office with with unemployment at eight or nine percent. Um, the econ- like things went to a tailspin. Democrats had to bail him out with checks to people with with a, with a uh, COVID recovery. And Biden has created more jobs than any president has in not. You we know, I mean, preside over the creation of more jobs thing. I think uh, Trump has benefited benefited from. There are not many people alive who've done this job and there are things that people uh think were handled better when he was president they just are they if uh republicans focus very early on the uh you know the US Mexico border uh that has been a huge advantage for trump of just people saying i don't remember seeing yet was this happening well that's that's a that's a big issue <laughs> because the the trump administration uh was it had a very unpopular immigration policy uh one that was you know condemned as inhumane by every democrat one that was a political problem for him but it's been kind of retconned into well we didn't have to see all these all this footage of 10,000 people at the at the border and this is much worse biden can't handle it um a lot of that i think he's benefited from a lot of uh uh rose colored reminiscence of i don't remember this particular problem i don't remember inflation when he was president i don't remember um it, it, even things were you know, had he been president and presided over the uh, Afghanistan withdrawal, probably would have gone the same way. But he can retcon that as, well, that didn't
2: happen when I was president. I think he just can do that in lots of ways. So, even in the conversation uh, you just shared, Dave, you're pretty much fast forwarding to the general. And, and so, one of the things I said to someone in the conversation is that, like him or not, Trump is a star. And uh, the Republicans, uh, I, the machinery is having trouble manufacturing another star. In my opinion, they kind of tried to manufacture Ron DeSantis into that kind of star. And then it deflated when some more people met him. <laughs> and we're like, wait, this dude, like, you know, like this guy like doesn't have the personality, doesn't have the charisma, doesn't have the affect. Has had some missteps. Um, so, uh, so you're fast forwarding to the general who has – and, you know, DeSantis could turn it around in a particular forum. I mean, he hasn't declared yet. Maybe he'll start campaigning well. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm dubious. Uh, you know, like I, I am one of the people that's like, look, if you're going to stop Trump, like I don't – I mean, DeSantis might be part of that. But I think it's going to be someone else. So I'm looking at other Republican uh, candidates who have a very, very high ceiling. Um, I think Tim Scott's got a very high ceiling. Uh, you know, um, but there's going to have to be massive consolidation because you already have – um, four or five candidates who are out there. I think there are going to be another five more, including uh, probably Governor Asa Hutchinson, who you just named. So well, he's already uh, running. You know...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Tim Scott's on the twenty second. Desantis TBD, um, and we're uh, we're in the sort the sort of I call it like shiny object season where. Um, People are not happy with not everyone, but some Republicans are not happy with uh, their options. So they're try, they're, they're kind of wish-casting, Oh, could Brian Kemp run? Could Glenn Youngkin run? Not much evidence that like Republicans want more alternatives than Trump and DeSantis, right?
2: Yeah, and Youngkin just said he's not running. So uh, it's so so. Uh, in your mind, is this pretty much like, hey, we're gonna have some debates and whatnot, but Trump's gonna yeah. steamroll? Well,
1: the debates question is complicated because you might not get um, Trump showing up to the first one or two debates. Um, And I think beyond him skipping, what's also possible is a debate where people show up and they don't want to uh, combat with him. That's what happened in 2015. Yeah, in that primary, there were Jeb Bush would go after him. Rick Perry would talk about him. Um, He was usually kept off the main stage uh it's possible that they take the Ted Cruz approach and just say like look I know the media wants us to attack each other but I just want to build on the legacy of what Donald Trump did um it's also yeah, totally. like the world's not like the West Wing like sometimes <laughs> somebody could be planning with Chris Christie's media tour if Chris Christie ran and he got on the debate stage everyone has a plan until you get punched in the face maybe he has a zinger maybe Trump has a better zinger <laughs> and that's the end of that um but I think in the primary I wouldn't say it's over I just think um from the polling we've seen, Republicans, they were very worried for a few weeks after the midterms, maybe a few months, on the electability factor of, okay, well, this guy just helped nominate a bunch of losers in swing states, uh, and we don't have the Senate. It's his fault. But that kind of faded. Uh, we're back to the, the what I was talking about before, which is the the median Republican thinks— things were great uh, under Trump, I want them back. And they hear other Republicans say, yes, things were great under Trump. Uh, Okay, well, then why would I vote for you over him? I don't even think you need to get in the weeds of, like, are there which five issues they think you'd be better on. It's They need to be convinced, well, Trump can't win, but he can. And I don't think they're there. I think you'd need um, some more events to happen for people to be convinced. This poll over the weekend that I mentioned, where uh, Trump is ahead of Biden and as is DeSantis, that's really all Trump needs, just to... You know, hey, the media, no, I you, can win. Well, he's already saying yeah. you don't need to trust the polls. But if you do, if you're one of the people who don't trust the polls, there's no evidence that I'm going to lose. I, mean, I talked to um, public opinion strategies who were very DeSantis curious, and they put a, a series of polls out over the last few years, uh, over the last few months, I should say, um, paid for by a nonprofit that reports DeSantis saying, oh, hey, there's look at Wisconsin, look at Pennsylvania, look at Arizona. DeSantis is narrowly ahead. Trump is narrowly behind. And I think something like the the post-poll, any coverage of that, um, wipes that off the, the the blackboard. Now people say, all right, well, no, here's a poll that says he'd win, so why should I pay attention to this other poll? Um, and look, they need – there's just not – he's not uh, – the the current Republican coalition, there is a core of voters who want to vote Republican but don't want to vote for him, but they're not big enough, that they're not a majority of the base. The majority of Republican yeah. voters are happy with them.
2: I am pumped to announce that I have a novel coming out on September 12th, The Last Election. It's a political thriller co-written with my friend Stephen Marsh, who wrote the book The Next Civil War. If you listen to this podcast, Stephen's been a repeat guest. Stephen and I became friends and thought we should collaborate on a way to scare the shit out of people, but also entertain them with a story of what could happen in in this upcoming election or the election thereafter do check it out at andrewyang.com books and there's a special discount code last election that you can use for 30% off at the publisher's website i'll be talking more about this book but i'm so pumped to get this out into the world last election coming your way All right, so we've discussed the Democrats, the Republicans, and now the famed other field. Um, So there's scuttlebutt that Joe Manchin wants to run uh, on a No Labels unity ticket. Um, And No Labels has uh, marched around the country getting ballot access, preparing for a potential uh, 24 ticket. Um, Have you heard anything about this? Like, there's been a lot of press... Uh, bashing no labels, saying, look, if they do this, it's going to enable Trump. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Are you hearing anything about a uh, Manchin-led presidential run? I haven't heard anything more than
1: a rumor on that. Manchin, how would I put it? Uh, He has not said enough definitive things about this. I don't think that i think that no labels wants them i know that no labels after after joe biden uh, sorry after joe manchin after larry hogan they don't have any any names that they think would get immediate media credibility if they ran them as a third party this is what's happened with other efforts to create a third party start it up and then have a candidate on, on top of it that's what americans elect in 2008 uh there's another effort in um uh no it's the unity sorry unity 08 in 2008 um Americans elect 2012. In both cases, they said, "Well, we really like is Mike Bloomberg to run," and then he didn't. <laughs> and then when he eventually ran, he ran as presidential candidate, so I don't think um, Mansion has not ruled it out. But I think that's because once you rule that out, you lose some leverage. It helps Mansion at the moment where Democrats, uh, where the White House certainly, the people who the policy folks, the White House who are watching Mansion re- call for permitting reform and get angry and talk about repealing the IRA. I think it helps Mansion the conversation. To hint that he might be the the he the, to not say he would never run for president, I don't think it's super likely it's also in, in this conversation we're having uh mansion if if there was a race between Trump and mansion and biden uh mansion would be the uh the third seventy something can- year old candidate i mean he's he is at the end of his political career he maybe he wins one more term in the Senate maybe he runs for one more term as governor, but that's kinda it i mean this is this is a uh this is this be is seventy four i think yeah yeah, he's he's in his he's seventy five now. He's turning seventy six oh, this boring, summer, so he'd be that. he would be as old. <laughs> I mean, he, oh my so bad. So there's he'd lots of reasons where he's 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 a compelling candidate. I think I and,
2: underestimated his age. <laughs> oh, he keeps he takes care of
1: himself, man. I've seen him, you know, wearing like the tight like uh, uh, a coal, uh, coal miners union polo shirt when he's campaigning, and he's an incredible retail campaigner. I've seen that, but president's not a retail campaign thing. So anyway. I want to over over egg my answer. I just think it's good for him to be in this mix. Um, The problem the labels has confronted is, yes, Democrats look. uh, It's just 2016, 2000 defined their thinking. Um, They will do anything to avoid a third party, a credible third party that would take votes away uh, or even a less credible third party. I think one thing we've not um, you and I haven't talked about, but also I haven't heard much conversation DC about is what would happen if. Um, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. was convinced to run as a third-party candidate. I don't oh, think snap. he would take. That's true you know, I don't. I think most Democrats are so traumatized by 2016 that they wouldn't even consider it. But that would be one more problem for them to deal with, and
2: one more. I mean, what happens? Is, I mean, that,
1: incredible. Yeah, go, go ahead. Sorry. That,
2: no, that, that that makes a lot of sense because he's not going to get a fair shake from the DNC. There are going to be no debates, and he's like, "Hang this. I'm going to run third party." I mean, that that would be a reasonable course yeah it's it's something i remember i
1: know in the, in 20s when you were running in 2020 that's the, the dnc it, there were critics of its debate strategy and how it handled everything but they wanted to make sure that you or tulsi gabbard or some democrat with appeal to independence did not say screw this and just run third party um and, i mean they got to know you and they're like oh you're never gonna do that that's fine like you're not gonna you're not gonna try to spoil this election um but that that risk exists and that um a really helpful group of voters for Biden in 2020 were were people who said they didn't like Trump, they didn't like Biden. Those voters went overwhelmingly more than two to one yeah. for Biden. Um, sure. Anything that takes that voter off the table and and, and parks him with a, a Robert Kennedy, a Tulsi, uh, a Joe Manchin, a Larry Hogan, just naming the people that they're, I've mentioned or in the conversation, any of those voters they think would be, They would be winnable for a a Biden campaign. It's okay, you're not happy, but do you really want to go back to Trump? They could park their vote with somebody else. Um, They're worried about that. So with no labels, they're they're serious about it. But you even saw, and you saw some of the reporting from Terra Palmieri this week, um, the people who are part of no labels don't want to be part of that. For the same reason, they don't want to have to go home and you know have the kind of conversation james comey has all the time was hey man did you are you the reason that we have donald trump as president uh they don't want to live live through that so i think it's a very fraught fraught thing for no labels to work through um fraught for it's in the short term not a problem for for mansion he's in the mix he gets more bookings on tv more people talk to him um but if No Labels were to actually do it and get on these states, it's going to be it's going to be knockdown drag out between Democratic Party and No Labels in all these places. I even saw it in the places where they've been getting on the ballot, uh, and you've been there with Forward Party in some of these places. Um, yeah, or thinking. For sure. Yeah, how much how much have you detected Democrats saying like like what can we do about these people trying to get in the ballot as an alternative? Like how much have you um, oh, yeah, heard yeah, about yeah, them no. trying to kick you off?
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I I have heard that. And and the, and I just do want to say so no labels is focused on the presidential. Forward is focused on the local, like the half million local races. We just had our first mayor switch to the party in Newberry, Florida. So uh, you know, very different uh approaches, very very different tax in part for some of the reasons you're describing. Um but uh, but yeah, like I, I did hear from some folks in Arizona that, uh, you know, Dems are uh, like very unhappy about um, new market entrants. Yeah, they are. I mean, and in 2004,
1: when Nader was getting on ballots as an independent, there were lots of lawsuits to get him off. I think it'd be like that. I think Democrats would, uh, what options do we have to get this party off the ballot? Uh, all that takes time. It's a rear guard effort. But the reason they would do it is to say, well... We feel better about an election where there's going to be a lot of unhappy voters who vote for Biden because they have no choice. Uh, oh, yeah. Still, yeah. yeah, that's that's what they, that's what they want. But I think there is going to be some Republicans who say, well, I didn't like Trump, but I can put up with it. There will be Democrats who say, I wish there was a younger candidate, but it's Biden. That's fine. That's already been happening a little bit. But there's a big share of the country, uh, I think it'd be bigger than 2016, that say, I just can't believe these are my choices. And that's going to be a lot of Democratic strategy is – that's right. Then you just stick it out with Biden. These are your like,
2: choices. Yeah, like, you know, wait yeah. it out.
1: Like if we beat Trump again, then you don't have to worry about him in the future. Uh, not in a very inspiring campaign, but not every campaign is inspiring. I mean, it's crazy yeah. that we, we all lived through 2008. I, and it's, I almost, you know, I'm not that old. You're not that old. But like I'll meet somebody who's 20 and I'll tell them, you know, there was an election pretty recently where most voters said, I like them both. I like both these choices. <laughs>
2: We've not been there in a long time yeah good good times in the usa if only we had something like rank choice voting and then like you could actually not have this uh this binary where it's like hold your nose people hold your nose um dave weigel how can people follow you your thoughts uh and your work at semaphore
1: so i'm on both uh, twitter and blue sky if you've heard about blue sky um with just my name at Dave Weigel. I use those to kind of boost where, where things are going. The website is semaphore.com. I have a, a newsletter that you can subscribe to. You can subscribe to a bunch. Uh flagship, uh Ben Smith's media newsletter. Um but it's called Americana and it's it's honestly it's what I did with at the Washington Post. I think it's the angle's a little bit um not even the angle. The angle's the same. It's I go around the country, I talk to campaigns, I if there's an issue that's fascinating that I think is 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 affecting the politics, I mean, I wrote last week about new laws that are going to be up, tested in court about banning access to pornography for minors. The next story I'm writing is about the race for mayor of Philadelphia. So yeah, Fun. Semaphore.com and the newsletter Americana. That's like all my reporting from around the country
2: covering these elections. I, Dave, I think people should subscribe because you call it like you see it uh, and you're impeccably sourced. Thank you so much, Dave. We'll have you back when there, there's more... Um, stuff maybe after this debt limit fiasco uh, is resolved there'll be some new fiasco we can unpack
1: yeah i i love i mean
2: this is the weirdest election
1: that we've lived through and we could have said that the last four elections but uh once i talk to you about it and i hear your your perspective for having lived through one of them you know it's there's a lot to go over so i really appreciate having the time to to go through it with you
2: of course man i hear last time there was some guy talking about ai i wonder when that's gonna (laughs) be relevant (laughs) you told you tried to tell us (laughs) <laughs> like you, tried to, you, you told them i like
1: uh every 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 time i see one of these vc guys saying hey you know how many people we can fire how great it would be uh, like i think i think of uh you warning people in iowa that this is gonna happen
2: <laughs> dude I, I was freaking like going to the people in iowa be like god it's gonna be up to you to freaking turn this tide yeah and for the five percent of iowans who supported me in the caucus thank you for the rest of you who just wanted to have a beer with me Um, Mr. Chance this time (laughs) 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 but thanks Dave Uh, everyone should keep up with your work uh, and would be thrilled to have you back here thanks I really appreciate it happy to do it